to Ephesians chapter 2. I know we're in chapter 4, but we've been looking at the different aspects of spiritual growth in chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. We looked at the means of growth, the mark of growth is love, the message of growth, oh sorry, the measure of growth is Christ. We looked at the magnitude of growth in all things, the manner of growth from him and the method of growth we didn't touch on but really we covered it, edifying of itself in love. The body edifies itself and we're doing something that's not mentioned in Ephesians but it it is back here in chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20, Ephesians 2. 19 and 20, now therefore ye are no more strangers but and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and all in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And so we're looking at marks of no growth tonight. And here we start with the thought of the church being the household of God. What are the phrases that are used to describe the church? A body. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Doug. A bride. Yep. Others. A building. We just read, (laughs) fitly framed together. Something else that that, that we're sort of centering in on tonight, related to household. Who lives in households? Families. (laughs) We're going to talk about the family of God. And so there's those different ways that the church is described, and you'll probably do a study on each one of those. And we're thinking of family tonight, uh, marks of spiritual growth. We're in a family. Now, we're, always, we're all brought up in a family of some sorts, weren't we? We've got different, we're different in different positions. It might be first, second, third, fifth, or whatever in the child um, age, mum or dad or whatever, but we, we all have families, and we all know what it means to live in a family where you know each other very well. You live in each other's pockets because you're living in each other, the same house. Um, <clears throat> And here, I think the Lord's talking through Paul about the order that should be in a family. Let let everything be done decently and in order as you read the scriptures in other portions. Um, How to keep order in our house. And it's interesting that when Paul gave to Timothy and Titus um, leadership qualifications in church... The family was something that was held to high regard in regards to the bishop, pastor, deacon, or whatever, they're the elder that he talks about. And so it's important to have the house in order. (coughs) Um, I pray that in your house there's no ranting and raving and shouting and threatening, but loving discipline that happens in the family. 
children being raised in certain sorts of family show that when they come out of the family in public and there's certain aspects and now I'm not a psychologist but uh, and, and Christians can tell you look at and see behaviors and you say I wonder what's going on in the house mm -hmm. and so we're likening this and we all know about it because we've been raised in families to what can go on in a the family of God marks of immaturity in children let's pray thank you Lord for your word and I pray that as we think of the lack of growth in lives our lives Lord it can be marked a mark of immaturity and a, a mark of a child of God that hasn't grown right or has been stunted or has not been treated right even Lord we, we pray that you'd bless, help us to understand, comprehend, relate this to real living, real Christian life. Bless us as we think on these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, a mark of an immature person, child. Let's say, a, let's say a child. Well, children of God, we're all in a family. So we're all raised in a family. So what is a mark of an immature child? Disobedience. Okay, yes, we'll look at that. Any others? Speaking out of turn. Speaking out of turn. Not speaking in your place. Anything else? Lack of wisdom. Yep. Making wrong decisions from that. Yep. Other things? Okay. Keep keep orderly and clean and and in the house, the bedroom. What does it look like? That's a place to go to see. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's personal, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's picturing families. Okay. Here's some marks of immaturity. We'll go through and, and touch on them lightly because we're trying to do this tonight. Fighting with each other. Never happens in the Christian family, does it? <laughs> I mean, in the Christian family, but in the church family? We could say, oh, never happens in Christian family. <laughs> it does happen in a Christian family. Paul said this, and he had an inkling that it was happening. To Galatians, the Galatians 5, verse 15, he said, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed, one of another. Um, so when that happens as parents, you should come down on that, <laughs> biting and devouring one another. Uh, <coughs> that happens, but it happens in Christian circles and it shouldn't happen. But it does. And it's a mark of immaturity, lack of growth. James said in chapter 4 and verse 1, from where come wars and fightings among you? Come they not here even of your own lusts, the war in your members? And so a mark of immaturity is fighting with one another. Um, usually happens in younger days, in early life, but it can go on into teenage life and then go on into adulthood too. And they don't talk to each other. Have <laughs> um, you met somebody that said, I haven't talked to my sister, brother or something for 
years, haven't seen them, haven't found them. Fighting with one another. Marks of immaturity in children. Um, <clears throat> another one that goes right with that, arguing with one another. Uh, James chapter 3, I've put down here James chapter 3 verse 13. <clears throat> Usually happens when you can't stop it, you, you can talk about it, but you can't, in a car or, you know, in a, in a supermarket. <laughs> and uh, James chapter 3 verse 13, we read, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So it's pointed now in the church of the Lord, these things can happen, argue with one another. Um, in first, I mean, Titus, in Titus chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, we read, uh, Avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. And so arguing, contentions and strife. Stop squabbling. Stop squabbling. Um, <clears throat> thirdly, something else. You mentioned, uh, I think we had about four different things that were mentioned. They may come up as we go through this. Um, pouting or sulking when they don't get their own way. Children do that, don't they? they spit the dummy, we say. <laughs> spit the dummy. And Christians do that too. <laughs> they spit the dummy. <laughs> mm. We've probably all done it. Uh, the Bible tells us as Christians, when we don't get our own way, to look every man on the things of others, not on his own things. Consider the other person and what they're trying to say. <clears throat> Seek not your own. Love seeketh not its own. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Um, and we are to crucify self. And the disciples, would, they were doing this. They were seeking to get their own way. They were sulking and spitting the dummy. There's ten, ten disciples spat the dummy when the other two's mum asked them to sit on the right and left hand. They were spitting the dummy. They were sulking when they didn't get their own way. They were envious and upset, mad. Um, <clears throat> divisions among the family. What do they say if you have one? They can't argue with anyone. My parents <laughs> have two. Can argue, but when you have three children, then you're in trouble because... There's always two on one. <laughs> you know, that, that can happen. And they, it's gone through, I've heard it said, about that divisions amongst them. I mean, talking about the children. Um, <clears throat> let's turn to First Corinthians 3. You say, no, it never happens in a church. <laughs> It'd be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a good to, to be in a church where divisions never happen? Well, it's a picture of immaturity. It's a picture of carnality when it does happen, because it does happen. Not everyone's growing in the Lord. And, and Paul said there to the Corinthians in chapter 3 and verse 1 of 1 Corinthians, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for 
to this time you are not able to bear it, neither are you now able. Are you not carnal? For as there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? One saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of a <coughs> Paulus, and are ye not carnal? Yes, see, so there is divisions that can come, and it comes within the family, within the children, within the siblings. Divisions among the family, and, and they can carry on right through into adult life if they're not sorted out when you're more pliable when you're younger. <laughs> and so it, it pays to do, sort it out, the divisions. And Paul was trying to sort it out amongst the Corinthians there. Um, <clears throat> another one that was someone said before is disobedience. That's a mark of immaturity, a disobedience. Scripture says in Hebrews 13, 7, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. It says in Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. And 1 Timothy 3.4 and 5, One that ruleth well his own house. And so <clears throat> disobedience. And so these marks of immaturity, whether in the, your family, literal family, mum, dad and kids, or in the church family, then we need to deal with these. Disobedience. And that's the thing today where it, you know, everybody's going to have their say and everyone's going to have their way and um, that's a self-seeking society we live in when we're trained in and we're taught that at school even it's indoctrinated don't let them put it over you just you know rise to the top you're very important and uh, if everyone's very important something's going to give <laughs> someone has to be in charge someone has to be uh, obeyed and God needs to be obeyed in our lives and his word um, <clears throat> won't receive instructions. <laughs> you could when you've said to your child, uh, no, don't do that. And they do it again. Told you not to do it. You can do it again. You get louder and you do nothing about it. Hmm. And they learn, you know, I don't get it, I don't get in trouble. They just get loud. <laughs> That's not what we should be doing. We should want to receive instructions. If we can't instru receive instructions from our parents, we're not going to receive instructions in the church. And when we grow up as, as adults, and uh, <laughs> it's been said, in, like in Israel, national service is compulsory man or woman they all do it they all learn what discipline they all learn to receive instruction and i'm not saying that ladies should be doing national service but that's what they do over there and so they learn and i think it helps the whole society when that happens to the young people who are just you know in their later teens where they have to do it before they go to uni um, and, and <clears throat> they learn to <clears throat> come under obedience and receive those instructions. In the book of Zechariah, let's turn to Zechariah, chapter 7, verse 8 to 12. Mark of immaturity, not receiving instructions. What, are, <clears throat> what do some do when they're pulled up by the police now? They give them lip, don't they, as we say. <laughs> they give them cheek. 
and uh, don't obey them. Why? Well, they've, t they've, they've learnt that. Zechariah chapter 7, verses 8 to 12. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speak unto the in the right one. Yep. Thus speak the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother, and oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, and the sojourner, nor the poor. Let none of the of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken, they pulled away the shoulder, they stopped their ears, and they would not hear. And they made their hearts as adamant as stone. And so they didn't receive instruction. They were told to do this and they pulled away. You can just see a little one pulling pull away the shoulder. <laughs> Not listening. And um, it's getting pretty scary in schools now, in, in state schools and that, because of the, the, the attitude of children, especially when they get a little bit, when they get in their teenage years, toward the teachers. And uh, <clears throat> all sorts of things go on there. Even when I was going to school, Remember one guy got up in the, in the maths class, of all things, and he tried to flatten the teacher. And the teacher was only a short fellow, but he had the big guy on the floor anyway. <laughs> he, he, he must have learned to fight a bit. And I've heard of recently of different things happening like that. And um, there, was, there was one, Peter Sandring said, at, at Mount Beauty, the teacher was there and he was doing... I can't make a noise here like that, you know, on the desk with his long nails. And one guy just got sick of it. He'd never said anything. He just got up, he was a big fellow, and got the teacher and put him up on the note, on the board. <laughs> he was a little teacher and said, stop doing that, it's driving me crazy. But that was back then. What is it like now? I mean, maybe ask some go to state school uh, or, high, or high school more particularly, but they... Don't learn to receive instruction. How can you learn if there's no correction, if there's no ability for the teacher to say no and to discipline in the classroom? They say it dements the child and they grow up um, emotionally wounded if they're told not to do something. And uh, you're probably not even allowed to address them by him and her anymore. Uh, it's getting that way. So we wonder why our, our countries are going like they are. It's right back in the home. Wonder why churches are going the way they are. Right back in the family. Play with trivial things. <clears throat> That's a, another mark of immaturity. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child... But when I become a man, I put away childish things. Oh, no. I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But I put away those childish things when I grew up. And so playing with trivial things in life. It seems, not everybody does it, but the young men will pick on them. And I like to have a car. And after their first car, they want something better or louder or it squeaks the wheels more, or something like that, and they get something, and they have car after car after car. Oh, now I want to get married. Oh, I've got no money. Uh, what happened? 
You see, a lot of those things could, you know, they're way behind the eight ball when they do get married because of those things that they played with instead of growing up. And they had an immature attitude toward life. Life is just one big game. And uh, they're not able to take the responsibility of family, of leadership in their jobs because they played with trivial things in the church. What about that? Uh, Can you ever remember your parents telling you to move on, grow up? (laughs) I do. Not listening. (laughs) They... um... I think I was about 16. And he said, you've got it now, who it is? <laughs> Why aren't you driving the bulldozers yet? Look at your cousin. He's up there driving them. He was 14. Or was he only 13? All righty, oh, I'm supposed to be driving bulldozers. <laughs> but it was just something, you know, in their generation, they did it, you know, they were milking the cows and running it down to Cockatoo and baking the bread and delivering it all before school and then going up back up the hill, getting dressed and back down to school. Yeah, Cockatoo, about four miles away. Yeah, and they think, well, that was the way it was done. <laughs> and you can see why in that generation they, they thought that way. But just, you know, they take on responsibility. And uh, it came early, really, for us. And I look back and I look at people that age now, I think, oh... Would I give them that responsibility? But sometimes it makes them, it forces an individual to grow up quick by giving them that responsibility in the church. And maybe that's what we need to learn, that giving responsibility to young ones helps them to grow, helps them to mature and not remain immature. It makes them think seriously about life and not play with trivial things. Um, <clears throat> Want to watch how fast sports goes in your... Well, I mean, we've got all the games this year. What was the other first ones? They've got the Commonwealth now, the Winter Olympics. Okay, yep. Yeah. And then the, the ones at the end of the year. It'll be games, games, games. Um, some people, that make it a career. But where's it, where's it headed? Lack of self-discipline. Proverbs 16.32 speaks of that. Living by their feelings, like the Corinthians, they emote along in their lives. And they're living by their emotions and not by the truth, not by facts, not by the way things really are. Um, Grow up. Um, Others, they're probably the bullies that were at school, want to be in charge, want to be the boss, you know. I'm king of the castle. But that... Even in state school, I remember that happened. But when you think of the the greatest usurper, the one who wanted to take control, is who? The devil. He's the first one. I want to be in charge. I want to be on top. I want to tell everyone what to do. The usurper, Satan. Um, Diotrephes loveth to have the preeminence, 3 John verse 9 and 10. In Matthew 18, 14. The disciples asked who would be the greatest, as we mentioned them before. Um, <clears throat> let's turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Numbers, chapter 16. Want to take over. And this, this is, is someone that want to take over. You could use a lot of examples from the Old Testament. 
Numbers 16. where we read verse 1 and and you know his name already right at the start now Korah um, and others that rose up before Moses in verse 2 certain of the children of Israel 250 princes of the assembly famous in the congregation men of renown and gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them you take it too much upon you and so these rose up and wanted to be the boss and wanted to be in charge. And uh, Moses was pretty upset in verse 15, and Moses was very wroth. said unto the Lord, Respect not their offering. In verse 19, And Korah gathered all the congregation against them, the door of the tent of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Now separate yourselves, said the Lord to Moses in verse 22, 21. <clears throat> um, Verse 24, get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah and Dathan and Abram. And then Moses went and he spoke unto the congregation saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, touching nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in their sins. And uh, the Lord made a new thing to happen in verse 30. Open up the earth, swallowed them up, went down alive, living down into hell. And uh, <clears throat> the ground, ground split open. The earth opened its mouth in verse 32, swallowed them up, their houses, all the men that appertained to them. And so it was a serious thing to try to take over and usurp authority. Even though they gave, a, it seemed, a legitimate excuse. You've got, you, you're trying to do too much, Moses, not getting done. Anyway, that's what it is. I want to be in charge. Um, it comes out even when adult siblings grow up they want to be in charge and it comes out in families and it comes out in the children of the families that the, that the parents are like that and, and that can come right into the church marks of immaturity um, <clears throat> I'll just list a few others and mention them don't care about trampling on other people's feelings they become stumbling blocks and offensive to others reactive instead of active um, they're not a stepping stone but a stumbling stone within their families within, and, and all this could be family, yourself mature, grow up marks of immaturity are not to be had um, tattling or gossiping and that's all through the book of Proverbs Proverbs 20 verse 19 the starter um, <clears throat> get a set or grudge on each other clicks Teasing one another, you know. <laughs> I remember that happened in our family. They're teasing one another. There were six of us kids, and we teased one another. You don't do that? Of course you do. <laughs> of course you did. <clears throat> and uh, the names stick. <laughs> so when I'm around my... They probably won't be around here. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, and you're there, and they say something, and I just respond automatically. Uh, who are they talking to? They're <laughs> talking to me. It just, you don't even... Um, <clears throat> I try now, when I'm with them, to use the names of the my brothers and sisters <laughs> instead of their other... Their, yeah, <laughs> their other names. <laughs> do we do that? 
Do we form a clique? Do we tease one another? Don't do that. I know some Christians that do. James 5.9 says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. In 1 Corinthians 14.20, Paul said to them, In malice be children, in understanding be men. So don't be malicious toward one another. Uh, be men who are growing, but be children with malice. How do children get over a problem that they have? Little ones. They have a fight. They have malicious toward one another. And the next minute they're friends with each other. <laughs> the maliciousness just seems to evaporate. That, that's what he said. As, um, <clears throat> as adults, as God's children in malice, be children. Don't they get over it. In understanding, be men. Um, lay aside all malice. First Peter 2, verses 1 and 3. Uh, Titus. Let's turn there, chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. There's a bit of a summary on it. Growing up. If we've got marks of immaturity, or if our children are behaving in a manner constantly that grieves us, or irritates us, asks, ask yourself the question, have I got that characteristic and that's where they're picking it up? Just, just be honest with yourself. Maybe you shouldn't ask the kids, <laughs> why do you do it? Oh, because you do it, they might say. Titus 3, where are we going? Still finding it. Um, 2 and 3. To speak no evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For even for we ourselves also were once, or sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, having living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> After that, and not by works of righteousness, we, we change our behaviour. We've been washed in the blood, it says in that next verse. We change the way we used to be to what we are now. It just over in First Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 through to 12, he talks about being pitiful and being courteous. First Peter 3 verse 8 Finally, my brethren, be ye all of one mind in the family of God, having compassion one of another. Love us, brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Consider the other person. They might be ha having a hard time, and there is you don't react to their reactions. <laughs> um, not rendering evil for evil, nor railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are called to this, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. And there's, um, there's that passage of love in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3 and following. Love does this and love doesn't do this. Um, it mentions in that. In Galatians 6.1, spiritual people will re restore in a spirit of meekness those who are overtaken in a fault those who have an immature attitude. And I pray that we don't get to a point in our lives where we are adults 
and haven't matured and can't mature. We need to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord.